What's going on, good people? <laughs> I see that beautiful smile all over there. Oh, oh, stop it. What's happening, H? How are you, Brother Ingram? It's so good to see you. Uh, hello, hello. We look, yeah. we, we weren't sure today. Well, uh, listen, I can only be accountable for myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's how we're going to go with that. I can only be accountable for myself. But how are you doing amongst the living? I am doing great. There are, you know, May and June just like come up so quickly. Mm. Yeah. So it's been really busy, crazy, crazy busy, but things are good. I won't complain. Doing good. So How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, equally as busy, you know, doing interviews and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, trying to put this team together because you know we all about winning championships. That's right. Uh, in, in school systems, right? Um, you know, it's tough decision time of the year. Yeah. Right. It's when you make those tough decisions to put the best, uh, best people in front of students, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, not everybody may like the decision, but you know, as long as a, a it's a decision that's rooted in the best interest of children, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it also is a a pretty optimistic time of the year too. Like I remember, this was always really like a a hopeful time. Like we had learned so much, or had. Finally, you know, broke had a breakthrough with a particular kid or a family, or we started to see some some real growth. And it began to be that time of the year when people were like, oh, I wish you just had six more weeks. Like, oh, like we finally got into a rhythm. We finally got into a yeah. groove. And so it is a time to also be, um, to be a visionary and to think about what you've learned from the year that worked well, that you can multiply and make better, and the things that didn't work that you can revise and it's a hopeful time, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think what scares me most about this type, this time of year, especially when you hit like that, you you hit that stride, right? And you're like, damn, yo, we've made so much gains or whatever. You start thinking about the summer, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about like losing that momentum over the summer because you know folks aren't as focused, right? I know growing up for me, uh, it was uh, we was outside playing from from from. Uh, <laughs> like lights up to lights down, right? Yeah. Outside playing, running around, whatever. wasn't very much learning uh, occurred until I started making a commitment to uh, take myself to the library, walk down to the library, and, and get focused and get lost in books. And I think that that's yeah. what happens. That's what happens when when um when you're poverty adjacent, right? It's like you want to find things to do to kind of um so you can get lost and not think about your your situation per se. Yeah. So I think that uh, finding books was helpful for me because I would just get lost in the characters or whatever and like have that become me. So I wasn't thinking about how crappy my life was. Yeah. Well, that, that reminds me, I just did a blog uh, with DC Students Succeed on the importance of out of school time funding and how mm -hmm. a lot of times we talk about like all this equity we want in classrooms and equity we want with instruction, but we forget about some of the challenges specifically around access to equitable and high quality out of school time programming, whether that is through swim camps or, mm. or coding camps or technology. And we also, you know, schools are, are places where you know that certain programs are gonna be there, but I don't know about you or how it is up in New York, but in DC, getting into a high quality summer camp is like super competitive. Like folks are of in course. waiting yeah. lists, they're in long lines and so, what happens yeah, yeah. to those families and those folks who don't have access, who can't like go and work to work late the day that the slots open up and stay online or be on the phone or be on a device in order to like take up the seats? And then what happens? Because if we don't have things that will engage and, and keep our young people active that are relevant for what they do, right? Not just having them sitting around, but having opportunities for them to be creative, for them to make money for them to build community, for them to address a problem that matters to them, and the impact that that can have on what's that momentum that they bring into the school year. So, yeah, yeah I, no, would, I would encourage folks to check out that blog. It's with DC Students Succeed and, and to let us know what, we, what you want to see in your communities around out-of-school time and more options for young people. Yeah, I remember when I was living in Baltimore, like the, the, the Y was, uh, was a part of our summer, right? The y, YMCA. Was definitely a part of our summer. They had uh, a lot of uh, inexpensive uh, opportunities in order for kids to engage over the summer, and then yeah. also um, John Hopkins. My son was uh, was accepted into the Gifted <clears throat> Talented program uh, via yeah. John Hopkins, 
And so um, they had a lot of extracurricular activities that they were uh, provided for for kids that were on that city poly track. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. I mean, you know, I got my girls ink shirt on today. We have a STEM camp that is um, sponsored with Howard University Middle School. Shout out to Ms. Prokopo and all the good folks there. But our, our camp, part of the fundraising and the campaigns that we do all year is to ensure that our young people, that our girls can go to camp for free. So it's $125 yeah. a week. We got six weeks, so we look for sponsors. Like, I appreciate what you can do now. Can you sponsor a girl to go? Because we want to make sure that we are giving our young people good, high-quality, engaging, relevant opportunities so that yeah. they can bring that momentum. But I mean, imagine you know the difference between a kid who spent all summer sitting on the stoop and the yeah. kid who spent all summer traveling and swimming and learning another language yeah. and engaging in some kind of activity and seeing something different. And if all of our first prompts would tell me what you did this summer, like we need to be responsible to make sure that we give young people something to actually write about, something to actually be excited about. Speaking of excited, that's the third dope in here. Yeah. I'm not paying no attention to that dude. <laughs> but but hey. but but the, digging the, digging the, in on this girl on this girl's They're doing it at a charter school, right? Can I, yes, we mm. are. It's not. It's, it's national charter school. We yeah, we're doing it yeah. at a charter school. You know, I how, mean, how, I, does, I, how does Nicole Hannah Jones feel about this? Well, I, I'll say this: Girls Inc. is <laughs> is excited and and really happy. And and our two partners, the folks who like not only said we want to be with you, but we want to be with you, and we're putting our resources and our talent was Kip Collegiate Prep. Shout out to them. And mm. shout out to Howard University Middle School. Like those are the two that, like, when 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 it came time to write your name on the paper and decide what we were going to do for who and for how, they were the ones who stepped up. So shout out, shout out to those two. Mm. And can I get some girls ink swag? Sure. You know what? As soon as I get a shirt from Brother Sharif, then you'll get your girls ink. What shirt. does that have to do with me? It's called negotiation. It's called it's called really? three times dope eight. Hands mash up. It's I get that, and then you get some. How about that? That's not fair. That's what we're doing, H. I'm just asking. Is that I'm I'm negotiating? You would you should of all people should be proud of how I'm negotiating that. Because otherwise, right. I'm giving up some without getting something. I, ah! think, I, I think that's cap. Okay, <laughs> it's my union. It's my union rep. It's your union rep. Tell them to talk to your union rep. <laughs> all right. So H, you brought you brought this to our attention. So you you uh you line this up. Yeah, so um, I, I'm an I'm an admitted I'm a larger football fan than I am a basketball fan. I bleed green. I got to do right here. Go Eagles! Um, but I do happen to catch a few of the basketball games, and what I saw was that CP3 um, was engaged in a a verbal altercation with a fan who happened to be a young white male attending the game who allegedly put his hands on both his mother and his wife. Um, and so the clip that I saw was Chris Paul reminding him that he was going to be accountable later for the actions that he had done in that moment. Now, what it looked like on the block was, yeah, I'm going to see you. But he was just holding him accountable for the actions that he took. And so as I was hearing people talk about it, all I kept hearing was, oh, what a shame. This adult is yelling at this kid. He's going after this kid. He's just a young man. And so my question is, how is it that, that he gets to be a kid, that he gets the freedom of being young and, and just playful? Because when black and brown boys and girls are engaging in those behaviors, we, we never give them the, oh, they're just a child. They're just playing. They didn't mean it. He's an adult. He should know better. He shouldn't attack him. That was intimidating. And apparently what I saw later was that the young man's family said that he, he was 18 and that he was drunk and or drinking. So then my next question is, where is CSSA? Because why is he consuming alcohol when he's not over the age 21? And it's just the way that we continue to like make excuses and the same way we are so quick to criminalize um, black and brown people, we are so quick to just give to give like these accommodations. I was watching um, something on like ID channel and the three boys like attacked another boy and killed him and the way that the officer talked about him oh those three boys they lacked guidance they didn't have much guidance and i said to myself i wonder how many times they talk about black and brown boys who engage in negative things and say oh they just didn't have any guidance 
as though it's an excuse for the behavior. So, yeah, yeah. that was that was my thought. Doc, you're jump not ahead, man. Now, now, I you know, know yeah. I love playoff basketball, yeah. and I was raised when the bad boys and celebrated when Ron Artest went up in the stands. So I got to be clear that I'm unapologetic about don't put your hands on me just because I'm a professional athlete. This isn't a zoo. This is my job. Like I'm not, I'm a human being. So like, don't put your hands on me, son. And as Chris Paul said, Oh, I'm going to see you after. And I literally, (laughs) I literally had images of Chris Paul trying to find dude after and laying hands on him. Because for me, when I saw the whole story, you know, Chris Paul is polished. I ain't never seen him have an incident like that. But I also know that as a basketball fan, like Chris Paul ain't one to be trifled with because he's tough. He's smart. And like his story of his journey, life journey with his uh, mother and the way he talks about his mother on Mother's Day I mean, I don't blame him. And he made a point about how these the NBA is like, well, you know, the players can't say this or that or the other, but yet they allow the fans to say whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop, whatever, and put your hands on somebody. Like, you can't put your hands on somebody's wife, mama, sister, auntie, and... I just found it refreshing that they caught it on television to hear him say one of the blackest things you could say to somebody <laughs> at that moment, which is, oh, I'm going to see you again, homie. I'll see you later. So, yeah. you know, they can escort. Now, whether he saw him later or not, I don't know. Uh, but I just found it to be refreshing to see this brother take that stand as the former head of the uh, of the Players Association, and just be unapologetic about it, right? Because um, I just think fan behavior has gotten out of control, like totally out of control, where people feel like they can say whatever, and you know, like them brother, that's a job. I can't roll yeah. up to, to to your school, Ray, and be like, whoop whoop, yeah yeah yeah, one. <laughs> You'll come out of there because you're from Covington. You coming out, you coming out the building, and you laying hands on somebody. And then me and H gonna have to get on the road and come bail you out. Who wants that? And like the thing is, that's somebody's job. And yes, their job pays them millions. But guess what? That's what the market can bear. Like that. I don't. I I didn't. I, I don't fault Chris Paul. And for the people who are like, oh, well, he's a child, like, he 18. No, he's not. He not a child. Okay, so, 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 so it's interesting that we're having this conversation, right? Because there's another incident that occurred, right? We talked about it a little on, on the hands. And it's, it's, it, it's not getting, like, the media attention anymore because it's a little bit old, but it's relevant, right? Mm. So there was a 17-year-old girl. Who uh who decided that she wanted to dress in uh in, in, in aka Nilia, right? For her senior photo shoot. I think she might have been 17, might have been 17, 18, right? But she dressed up like full, like aka, whatever, whatever, throwing up the pinky, throwing up. No, you know, really, doing... or just like wearing pink and green as a as No, a... no, 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 no. She had Nilia on. She had Nilia on. Oh, she had letters okay. on. Yeah. Okay. And so um she she's uh she's going to be a freshman at TSU, Texas State University, Texas State University next year, right? And so she had done this. Uh, it was this, this, uh, this, 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 you know, she did. I guess she did it on TikTok. She put it on TikTok, and so it was over like three thousand AKAs that like came for her, right? Like, and some in a manner like you know, just trying to like uplift her, letting her know that you know that's not how you go about it. That's not what you do. Like letting her know the historical pretext of the organization and like you know how that could be disrespectful or whatever. But there were some others, right? And I assume these others are people that pledged because, like, if you're Greek or you're Greek adjacent, you know that if you pledged, then your approach to and your feelings about your letters are a little bit different than if you didn't, right? Yeah. And so 
Uh, there was some aggression uh, from, from, from some uh, some grownups uh, with regards to the situation. And um, and so, you know, we had a debate on the hands about like the appropriateness of grown women uh, reprimanding this uh, reprimanding this child, this the 17 year old, that 17 year old senior who's about to be a college freshman. Right. And just like what the response should have been uh, with regards to that. And so, H. Uh, you are a member of the Divine Nine. Happy 100 years, uh, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Um, what, what, what are, what are your thoughts? Not speaking on behalf of Alpha Kappa Alpha, but like, what are your thoughts as a, as a as a, a member of the Divine Nine? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I, it's not okay, um, and it speaks to the problem that we talk about before, where we need wise counsel. Um, and if she was purchasing these items and getting them, I'm sure somebody knew, a mother, a cousin, a friend. Sometimes we make poor choices, but there are these things like we got to be accountable to help make sure people know what they are not and what they are and are not allowed and supposed to do. Um, mm -hmm. I think the history of an organization and the, safe, the sanctity of all of our orgs and others, whether because you wouldn't want somebody who's a mason walking around talking Absolutely. about love that's this thing, right? Like yep. or somebody yep. who's a link. Like there's a, a yep. reason that you have yep. these organizations that there's a history and an, an allegiance and a identity with them. And so yep. for her, I wondered like where was the wise counsel? Because somebody had to tell her to that you should not be buying these things. Like, I mean, oftentimes when you have to buy stuff, you got to put what chapter you in. Like, where was she? How was she even getting all of this stuff? Like, anyway, the difference between the way we talk to her and approach her and this young man is that this young man was violent towards somebody else. And we're a country that says we don't get to be violent. We don't get to put our hands on people. And this is the double standard of the rules. And so when we are protesting and putting our hands on folks, we got a problem. But when they go to games and put their hands on folks, it's okay. Or when they storm the Capitol and decide that they want to sit their tails in, in Nancy Pelosi's seat and put their feet up, then it's okay. And they're just like being a young person. And so the way we got to talk about that with just like her ignorance and like not wise counsel versus this young man, he know he's not supposed to put his hands on somebody else. When you five, the first thing you tell your kid when you go to school is keep your hands to yourself, which is why his mother intervened and was like, no, wait, because she realized that what that there would be some consequence and the problem is we keep letting people get off without consequence specifically when it comes to people who are putting their hands on and or police in black and brown bodies yeah and so doc didn't mean to hold you out man it's a lot he to unpack here some notes. It's, a, it's, it's a lot to unpack here but i got your attention so what what, what what you thinking so here's the thing right if you know better you do better Facts. And I just think that as someone in my case, I wasn't raised in that culture. I didn't know, I didn't go to college thinking I wanted to be in any Greek letter organization because I wasn't raised in that space. So I, I didn't know all of the history of it all. I knew the history of Spelman and Morehouse because that's where my mama went. I knew the history of the civil rights movement because my mother was a librarian and gave me a book about that. It wasn't a part of her worldview. It took a good friend of mine, Terry Foster, who played football at the University of Toledo. One time I went to visit him and we went to this uh, party. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was your people, right? And we went to this party and um, one, of his, uh, one of his football teammates was a Q and he's like, oh, we going to this fraternity party. And I was like, fraternity party? I was like, I don't, what, what is that? He's like, you know, like, School days. I was like, oh, I ain't like school days. I was, you know, I hear you. So we go round and round. We had this conversation. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I started reading more about it. And, um, but I just think that in this young woman's case, we need to teach our young people, not shame our young people. In the similar way that Kobe and I remember, Ray, you telling me about Kobe had an incident and Shaq and some other cues went and talked to him. It didn't sound like at least the way you've told me the story that they tried to shame uh, Kobe. Now, I will say that it's important that in this case, elders in the AKA community get to this sister sooner than later because 
there could be some very serious negative repercussions in her college experience as a result of this if somebody doesn't clear a pathway for her success right and i th- and her her mom and daddy whoever she's living with they may not have known any of any of these things right now i do want to come to uh a bit of a parallel in that um this is the same thing where and again I'm a little snobbish on this one. Mm-hmm. It's like the people who get honorary doctorates, I'll be damned if you start calling them doctorate because you ain't earned that shit. My God. <laughs> like, you you ain't right. You ain't do no research. You, you may have given the university a bunch of money to name a building after you, therefore you get an honorary degree. I'm not knocking your accomplishments in society, but you, you didn't earn that, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that in our community, there is a need to hold each other accountable in ways that are helpful, mm-hmm. in ways that are productive, and in ways that are also educational. And I think in all three cases, because I heard that with someone got a honorary doctorate. Um, oh, James Brown got an honorary doctorate um, at American University uh, this weekend. And somebody was like, oh, we gonna call him Dr. Brown. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, Slim. Like, nah, no, like, absolutely not. Right. So I just think that there's an education that has to happen amongst our people that has to be real serious. And I, 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 I saw a slice of the hands when y'all were talking about it, and I hadn't heard of the incident, so I googled it, and I just found that it was super interesting hearing the conversation. Um, because it often derails into a critique of the divine eye. And I always right. say to folks, two things can be true at the same time. Y'all know I love, I'm addicted to nuance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two things can be true at the same time. Like as a fraternity and as a sorority, whatever one we're talking about, there can be negative things associated with individual behaviors. But what these institutions stand for amongst our black community is something that we should all be proud of. But it also means that at moments where we're talking about this young lady, we need to stick to the facts of the matter. And the fact of the matter was her behavior, not the individual behavior of young people or older adults in these uh, organizations who may have violated rules of human decency, which goes against everything that we know to be true is important for those organizations. So I just think that, you know, two things can be true. I have a lot of respect for the divine knot, right? Like most of my friends, colleagues are members of Greek letter organizations. I've helped sponsor some of their events. So I, I believe in the power that they have to convene people. I fully believe that without, I don't even know the percentage, but I'd be willing to bet a good number of the members of the Divine Nine helped Joe Biden win the White House. Facts. Serious. Matter of fact, right? whoa, 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 whoa. The Q saved America. Jim Clyburn. That analysis. Jim, Jim, Jim Clyburn is Jim. Is Jim Clyburn is QSFI. Yeah, Jim Clyburn is QSFI. And if Jim Clyburn hadn't hadn't uh, uh, breathed life, fair enough. Into uh, into Biden's campaign, we. We would have four more years of Trump. So the Q's saved America. AQ saved America. No, no, no. The Q's. Listen, somebody took that picture for that baby. She yeah. had her stuff laid out and ironed. You mean to tell me not one person was like, are you supposed to do this? Yeah. Now, well, so, so, maybe they didn't know. So, like, they, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the thing, right? If they if they didn't know, it's kind of like you can't you can't fault them for that for that level of I don't ignorance know. if you don't know. I don't know. I think if but she wanted to be a part of this organization that bad day, she knew she something. Knows, she had she to know knew. something. That's right. True. Yeah. She so like if you if you if you did this, like she knew so but but then all right, so here's 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 the next thing, right? This photo, sh- this photo shoot happened maybe a couple of weeks ago, right? In less than three months, you're going to be at Texas Southern, right? That following semester in the spring, less than a year, I'm talking like eight months from now, you, if you had a good first semester, 
would be eligible to to rush or to make line, right? Yeah. And so now you run the risk of never, yeah. ever being part being a part of anybody's organization, in, in the, especially sororities in the divine nine, because yeah. you now have a jacket now, right? Right. And folks, can folks, you you're ah. Maybe the other piece of that is maybe she ends up becoming a part of the organization and learns the history, learn why it's sacred, learn why it's important, learn why it isn't something that you can just go and H, H, you know this as well as me. H, you know this as well as me. The Greeks got long memories. Long memories. (laughs) And and very petty. And somebody's going to make this real hard for her. Well, I tell you I what, if she comes out with some letters, she certainly earned them because it will not be an easy role for her. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I um, just think somebody got to know something. Yeah. Hey, but hey, but then this falls into this falls into our theory about mentorship, right? Like, right. yo, people need mentors, right? And so this would be a perfect opportunity for a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sororians Incorporated to reach out to this young lady and mentor her, right? In order to, you know, show her, her the right ways of, of being. But Based off of what I saw from 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 the um, the TikTok post, I don't know. It's gonna take ain't nobody mentoring her. It's gonna take a it's gonna take a good Christian woman. Yeah, with per, with pearls to. Uh... <laughs> and, and I will also say for the other organizations, oh, they might not be interested too. Like you, you just gonna rock their jackets, not get into them, and then you want to come and. And, and try to shake your monkey or, or do some other things like you can't do that now you now you you made a choice about what you wanted to be with it hey hey El, El Michelle repercussions okay El Michelle is here El Michelle is here and she she's she's old school uh she's an old school K or I'm sorry uh a seasoned K from uh from the Syracuse University um and uh and she's she so her thing was she was pissed off about the bonnet right she's like yo you're not gonna be she coming. Had a bonnet on too? Yeah, she had she had a bonnet on. So El Michelle was hot about the bonnet, and oh, so I didn't see the picture. A hey, listen, uh, uh, seasoned black women don't like bonnets. They don't feel like you should be uh, out in public with a bonnet on or whatnot. But that could be a whole another show, and so we're gonna move forward. We got to have El Michelle on the show one day. Yo, I would love for her to come through, pull up. Yeah. All right, so black and regalia, right? Uh, Doc, you gonna lead this man because we saw a picture of you, uh, and, and it was an amazing picture. And I want you to set up. What was the picture, Doc? So, uh, shout out to uh, uh, the black men on faculty at American University, uh, Dr. William Thomas, Dr. Brian McGowan, and Dr. Felton Moss. Uh, and uh, it was the first time the four of us had seen each other in forever. And in all of my career in academia in particular, I've never worked with that many black men in one department. And, you know, like it's all love. And, and like it, it was a powerful moment because we just shared stories of all the people that told us we would never be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we graduated uh, three brothers with their doctoral degrees which is unusual to see that many. Um, And then like we were equally as proud to see the amazing black women that were in the group, uh, equal representation of our people in the LGBTQ community living at that amazing intersection of life. Uh, And so I I was, although I will say when I, when I went to, to put on my, my hookup, uh, they they clown me because I wouldn't call it regalia. And they was like, why not? I said, I mean, regalia is too fancy for me. Like, it's just my hookup, like my gear. Like, I don't, I don't know regalia. I, I don't, I barely know how to spell re- regalia. Like, <laughs> and so we had a, a great moment. And I think that as I've talked to other black people who've who've seen the posting on social media, um, the four of us have talked via text about the number of people who have just reached out to say how refreshing it was just to see and realize that there was genuine respect amongst us. Like there's no beef and like three three of us are writing an article together. Uh, Dr. McGowan uh, is the mentor uh, to Dr. Thomas. 
Uh, shout out to Felton Moss. He just got a, uh, he uh, is leading some work around uh, black men and boys and they're doing some symposium at the White House and then they're doing some symposium on black women and girls. Like, I just think that those brothers are doing such amazing things that um, just to see that. And, and it's largely a testament to the dean at American University, in my opinion, because yeah. she's intentionally been like, nah, like I'm going to create the space for y'all to just, be yourselves. I'm going to create the space for uh, black women to be themselves. And shout out to Samantha Cohen, who's the um, white Jewish woman who leads the doc program, who is unapologetic about having a diverse faculty, about having a diverse student body. And like, you know, it's people who come for her as a white woman. And she's like, well, you say we're doing anti-racism work. Don't you want people who experience racism in the program? And mm -hmm. some days when I when I think about that, I'm always like, man, oh, all right, well, you know, and, and, and she's very clear about there are things that she doesn't understand as a white woman, uh, but she acknowledges that she's not an ally. She could, she's a co-conspirator, right? And so I think that uh, it was an amazing Saturday just to see, um, and y'all know, like, I don't normally go to graduation. That's usually a day off for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, just not, it's just too long. Uh, and it was good to see folks and just see the joy that uh, families had for so many of the graduates. Um, and uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, 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 the writing center, right? Like, I just think that there's so many dope people. And, but Ray and H, I'll tell you this, we stood there after looking at all this sea of black people in particular in uh, the doctoral program, faculty, students. And then when you walk out into graduation, no shade to American University because I enjoy my job there, but we walk out and they have this Scottish bagpipes leading us into the joint. And and all of the, all of our students, even the white students looked at each other. We looked at each other like, well, wait a minute, like, what are we doing here? And it was a reminder that even though this is, we experienced this beautiful moment. We're still faculty at a institution that centers whiteness in its traditions, right? And so they were like, well, Simmons, we need to have the drum line. I'm like, man, you better go up the street to, to Howard for that graduation. <laughs> the university ain't having no drum line. Plus you're going to get is that drum that that uh, Scottish bagpipe dude um, <laughs> is playing. And uh, although I was impressed with the bagpipe, because I was like, how the hell do you play that doggone thing? Like, that's an interesting. I don't get. Let me get this thing off. Of. So let me get this thing. H. In one week, you will be a black regalian. Yeah, yeah. So, How do you feel yeah. about that? I I feel it's interesting the way I feel. So I finished and uploaded, and we had a virtual ceremony last year because of the yeah. height of COVID, and so they realized that we had paid a significant amount of money. <laughs> Um, and have made a significant sacrifice, not only us, but our family and friends who who didn't see us for three years and who like had to read over stuff. And so Penn is going to have a ceremony next Sunday um, to do some, to, for our hooding. And so I'm super excited that I get to be in person with my chair, Dr. Charlotte Jacobs, who I love and adore, who I haven't had a chance to be with. And there are also folks who were in the cohort before me um, who will be back together in community. So, you know, I, I'm excited. One of the things that I'm going to do when I'm there is the, the first day of the end of our summer program, we had to write a letter to ourselves, to our future selves, that we were supposed to read when we finished. And I still have not read mine yet. Even though I'm finished and my I'm all done, I still haven't <laughs> read it yet. Um, and so it doesn't, it, and once I felt like I needed to be hooded in order to actually read it. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, okay. but yeah. So, but for black and regalia, I just was so, it reminded me of like um, the energy on my timeline during match day, when there were so many young people who were like, I got matched here. You're looking at a future epidemiologist. You're looking at a future chiropractor, a future podiatrist. And I was like, wow, like that is so exciting. Every picture that came on my thread of any little black or brown person who was in a cap or a gown or a hood or a sash, I just felt like 
so optimistic, so happy, so proud of and for them, for their teachers, for the people who love them and who support them. And to me, it was important because, you know, if you don't have proximity to the good things that are happening in schools, in classrooms, in districts, in universities, you will believe this baloney that the world is doomed, that the kids are crazy, that nobody will be there to teach them, that all they do is fight and that are violent. Like you won't get to even see those good and beautiful things. It reminds me of a conversation I had with a, a former colleague of mine who works at a district office. And she was saying how now is such a hard time of year, but the energy shifts a bit to folks who are in school because now it's like the end of testing, the end of honor roll. You get to see the kids in their games. You're getting ready for prom. You're getting ready for graduations, for field days. And there is an enthusiasm and an energy that if you don't have that proximity to school and the only things you think you know about what happens in public education is the negative, awful things you see on TV or in the news and you would think that we are doomed. And so I'm just proud of, of the, the, the faculties, of, of the, the secretaries, of the folks who are in the registrar's office who are making it happen for people. Like this is hard work. And it was just so exciting to see um, for, former students of mine and, and students who I, I will teach, like to be there and to be a part of this. It was really, really exciting. So I love that. Yeah, that's what's up, H. Congrats, and we are super proud of you, and we can't wait to uh, to, to hear <laughs> about uh, your experience amongst the Absolutely. whites. Did he say amongst the whites? Yeah, he did, but that's all right. I'm going to send some pictures, and I'm going to – maybe I'll wear my little cap. You keep it to the – and that was the thing. I know you keep it to the left, and then you move it to the right, but I officially graduated already. Do I keep it to the left when I go on Sunday, or do I – right? Man, we about to, we moving on. I'm moving to the right, right? Um, we move on. So, 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 uh, Doc, bring us into this. Y'all already yeah. know. Yeah. Y'all already know. Yeah. So, so, talk to us. I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan. So huge of a Kendrick Lamar fan. Went to LA to see him as, as Staples or whatever the form, whatever the stadium is out there. It was one of the most amazing experiences ever, right? To see him live in his city. And I love Kendrick Lamar because he talking about something in his, in his music, right? It's not randomly ignorant hip hop. Um, although I do, do love uh, some trap music from time to time and, and some good 50 cent, you know, here and there, right? This album, at least from my perspective, has been long overdue which has been my critique of Kendrick Lamar because I felt like he dropped his album and then he just kind of disappeared. Like he wasn't touring. He wasn't doing verses. He did do well on the Super Bowl. And um, I was excited to see it and uh, listen to uh, the, uh, the, the, the lyrics and, uh, you know, and literally I sat and had a cup of coffee and just listened. And because of my adult ADD where I can't listen to the whole track very often these days, I kind of <laughs> click halfway through like, all right, then I got it. Yeah, yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. I literally listened to it all the way through from start to finish. And I think it's refreshing to see uh, real art, real music and real hip hop. No shade to, to these other cats. Um, they do rap they don't do hip-hop right in its purest form uh and and i just encourage people to go check out um his latest joint uh or as sharif says maybe if we speak about sharif's name he'll get you a shirt h and then you can get your girls a uh, shirt but if reef is listening that john that uh kendrick lamar put out um and so i just think it's powerful and for me, it was just necessary because I, I needed some good hip hop because, um, you know, I, I haven't been that impressed with the latest stuff. Did she say, what's the difference between rap and hip hop? Between rap and hip hop. Miss Toya. Break it down. Break it down. So here's the thing, right? Rap is what you do. But you're a hip hop artist. Right? Now, if you're a rapper... That means you ain't talking about shit. 
if you're a hip hop artist, that means you understand hip hop in all of its purest forms, right? Break dancing. And you understand that hip hop is a part of culture. It is, it is a yeah. culture in and of itself. You understand yeah. graffiti and H you'll, you'll appreciate this. Uh, and, and Ray, uh, uh, chime in on this. You'll appreciate that hip hop was one of the original ways that young kids of color actually expressed different ways of, of being, of demonstrating their literacies because of graffiti, right? Graffiti is a form of literacy. Now I'm not suggesting everybody go out and start tagging things, but if you look at the intricate details of graffiti from its earliest phases, it tells an entire story. So for me, that's the difference when I think about hip hop, it's the culture, right? And so I think that, uh, and certainly for some that's splitting hairs and I, I got that part, right? And it's, it's almost like the people who debate sneakers versus tennis shoes. Like it's a sneaker. It's not a tennis shoe. So yeah. um, I'll stop there, Miss Toya. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I owe you an email, Miss Toya. So uh, don't, don't hunt me down. Uh, I, I know I owe you an email. Yeah. So I think when we did our, we did top 10 rappers on a few episodes ago. And I remember I put Kendrick in my list. Um, I also think now about, to me, I've always enjoyed like, the storytelling element it, it comes out as a researcher it comes out in the way I talk to people it comes out in the in the books and the stories I like and the movies that I enjoy and the shows I follow and in the the type of, of music that I listen to and so for me I just love the thought of the way that they tell the story I like to be able to listen to something especially if it is an experience that is far off from my own and be able to feel like I understand and know Exactly. Like I can experience it. I think about Money Trees um, by Kendrick Lamar, one of his earlier albums and how you couldn't tell me that I was not like in L.A. on the block in the car with him. It felt like the, the way that the story is told is the way that makes me feel like I can experience it. So I have always appreciated that. I think that that is the thing that makes it important to me. I think about Slick Rick, I think about Nas, I think about Pac, I think about NWA, I think about all of some of my favorite rappers and, and hip hop artists and the way that they use storytelling as a way to communicate both a message around joy and pain and love. Hmm? You didn't say Biggie, what are we doing here? So, you know, I, I, I don't dislike Biggie. I like Biggie, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with him. I just think there's a certain, you know, music, uh, yeah, no, I know, I'm that girl. But I, the thing that I thought was super interesting is- so you haven't seen Friday and you don't love Biggie. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's facts. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, see, you made me sit my phone. Oh, I wanted to talk about the video and that clip where Kendrick Lamar's face is morphing into people's. Am I wondering, like, so why do you think he picked those individuals? Like, why Ipsy, why Kanye, why Will, why Kobe, and then OJ? Like, of all, and, and maybe it isn't for the one reason, but I wonder, like, what's the through line there? Like, what is the thing that they all share? Whether we love them, hate them, gone too soon, still here. Like, why, why them? Why? Anybody know, or what, what are your thoughts about, about that? It was strange to watch. It was like, whew, like, wait a second, who is that? It was like, yikes. I think- Ray, um, why did you pick two we picked? I think uh, for, for me, um, I think the most exciting part for me was, um, was the Nipsey tribute. Uh, I felt like it was really impassioned. I felt like it was really thoughtful. Um, and, and 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 that means a lot to me. Um, I I am a Kendrick Lamar fan. I feel like he is a lyricist. I feel like um, he's good for hip hop uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, I feel like you know the West Coast was missing that hip hop artist that kind of um, you know made the West relevant again. Uh, I felt like the the game was that person for them. LA game was that person for them for a while. But then he started running into um, some problems in terms of self-image and things of that nature. So it, it's good to see, uh, you know, MC being heralded out of, uh, out of LA. I feel like you haven't really seen that since Cube. Um, 
you know, to that to that level. So it, it, it's good to see that. So shout out to uh, K Dot for uh, for lifting uh, hip hop in L.A. Um, but in hip hop and thinking about hip hop, right? Uh, one of the things that's on my mind right now is how, um, and I'll, I'll put the screen back on me, is how um, you'll see uh, folks' lyrics uh, being used against them, right? So there's uh, several different court cases right now in which uh, a person's lyrics uh, have been used to uh, prosecute them, right? And so um, you're seeing that right now with, uh, with Young Thug and, and Young Gunna down in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, they just got hit with RICO charges uh, based off of a, a, a rap song, right? So like uh, because they had a rap song and they had folks that were affiliated with uh, their YSL uh, uh, ensemble, uh, they're now being charged with, uh, with RICO. Um and I know that uh, Jay-Z and Meek Mill are doing some work uh, in the criminal justice system to kind of have uh, those types of things repealed and and, and not to have, um, you know, district attorney being able to use folks' lyrics against them because hip hop is an art form, right? And so, you know, you should be able to express yourself without condemnation uh, or people coming in and trying to overly scrutinize your lyrics because, again, it's an art form, right? And so what, what, are, y'all, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Um, hip hop as an art form. You're muted. I think hip hop for me has always been uh, part art and part protest. Mm-hmm. And I haven't always liked it as an art. Right? But I also think that it's necessary because it's a form of expression for so many people that has defined defined generations, right? Like we, I mean, I remember where I was when certain things happened in hip hop. I remember sitting at Pizza Populous in Detroit when Pac was killed. Remember it vividly, right? And I think hip hop provides markers for so many of us uh around where we were in life how we navigated life and um you know i I think that it 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 imitates what's it said what's the saying life imitates art art, art, Mm -hmm. what is it called art art imitates life yeah and i think that as an art it imitates the lives of so many people i don't have to listen to it like i don't particularly care for the Migos and Quavo and <laughs> Quavo is part of the Migos, but you don't gotta name him individually. <laughs> whoever. But but I respect them as artists, right? Like I don't particularly, you know, like I'm not going to dislike his music and be like, oh no, nah. because you know, I have some stuff that I listen to, but like I just think that uh as as is the case with all forms of art, it's open to interpretation, it's open to whether you like it or not, I don't mm. believe in censorship. So I'm one of them types of cats that like, nah, like I don't believe in censorship. Um, and see Dolores Tucker and all them folks, like they can kick rocks. Like I, I don't believe in censorship. And so yeah. I think that as an art, I appreciate it. And I have a new appreciation because uh, my oldest son listens to hip hop when it's basketball time. And I asked him, I was like, well, what you listening to? And he was explaining it to me. And I, I mean, I'll be honest. I was like, who is this? I'm going on YouTube, like trying to upgrade my knowledge of. Hey, I don't know none of these young boys. Like, so who's he, who's he, who's, he, who's he listening to? I don't know, man. Somebody was some Uzi, like little Uzi, Uzi Vert. Little Uzi Vert. I was like, yeah. who is Vert? Yo, nah, Uzi, Uzi, Uzi hey, hey, Uzi Vert got hey, hey, my son listens to Uzi Vert. Yo, I, feel I was like. like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, I can get into it. Other times I'm just like, I was like, like this. I was like, well. Yeah. Who? What's Lil about Uzi Vert? Like, he's physically small. He's a little fella. Oh, um, see, I didn't know any of that. But you know, when you are, when you have, when you're like in the schools and with the kids, like you can tell what's popular because as soon as you play, they're like, oh, play this one. You know, like all the dances and stuff. But I, to your point about hip hop being both an art and a form and a way of protest, I think that's what gives it its power. And yeah. in that power becomes some danger. And that's when we yeah. see people who, like, if you know 
that people are going to listen to lyrics and then behave and act differently. Um, then there's power in that. There's power in, you know, whether it's they decide that it influences how people travel, what they wear, what they eat, what they drink, where they go, um, how they want to look. Like it, there's a lot of power there. And so then we have to think about, are we making sure that we are using hip hop for for good while we are also being mm. successful? Or are, and are we taking at full advantage of this platform that we have? Which is why we get back to seeing things when we want folks like these very popular artists and rappers and, and stylists to like, in, you say the right thing, you buy the right thing, you wear the right thing, you endorse the right candidate, you make a comment about something. There is power in that. I think a couple months ago, Beyonce had a bag of like a black designer. I don't even know, the but the bag sold out in like an hour because Beyonce had the bag on, like just because she had the bag on. Like imagine if there was a coalition of, of these artists who young people listen to and admire who took a stand on important issues like Roe v. Wade or took a stand on important issues like voting rights or took a stand on an issue around inflation in a way that wasn't like I'm going into the club with a bunch of money, but I'm taking my money and I'm in Like imagine what that would do and how that would motivate and mobilize young people. So, so with that art and protest is power and we got to be careful how we use it. Just like us. I agree. All right. So here we go with this shape. Um. So, <laughs> so Joe Biden. Joe Joe Biden has no. Actually, I'm not. But Joe Biden has decided that uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you know why? Why do he do it? Because he's trying to I, what? Because I don't re-elected. know what he's trying. What is, what is he trying to do? There ain't no way in hell Joe Biden is trying to get reelected. He sees power in the teachers' unions. If you yeah. listen, if you if you if this gas if these gas prices is four dollars and sixty five cents, ain't no way in hell anybody any politician is trying to get reelected. You crazy? Well, why is he? What what benefit? What the, how does it benefit him to come after charter school? That's my question. You know me. I'm always like, what what are we missing? So, what are we doing? All right. So why so here, here's here's what you're missing, right? So I heard him talk today, right? He was on uh he was he was on the networks and one night he was pitching his ideas with regards to um. Uh, why inflation is so high. He was going after the Republican Party, uh, you know, placing some blame on them in terms of uh, them not coming up with solutions, them not being solution-oriented, which I get, right? And so he was also talking about, you know, the prices of, let's say, meat, right? And he was talking about uh, there's four major companies that uh, that are in charge of, of, of meat and that uh, by bringing in more companies and funding more companies, it will help to offset the price of meat because now uh it's no longer a monopoly and you're putting these resources into um into into small businesses and allowing them to uh to be able to compete right and so how can you be that brilliant with regards to the meat industry right and not think the same way about schools charter schools keep traditional charter schools which are public schools let's not get that twisted right Keep traditional public schools honest. How do they do that? Because at the end of the day, um, these schools were traditional public schools were not designed with black people in mind. There's a lot of charter schools, which I will hopefully admit were not designed with black people in mind. But there are more charter schools, in my opinion, that do more for black folks or that uh allow the opportunities for uh, black and brown people to engage than traditional public schools. Because I feel like there's this divide in terms of like uh, the schools versus parents, right? And so that voice and that ability to be able to choose where your kid goes to school uh, weighs a little bit more than you just having to go to that school. And so just hear me out here, right? And so when we're talking about the competitive competitiveness of the meat, I'm also talking about the competitiveness of charter schools. So charter schools make up about seven to nine percent of the market share, which is not a huge threat to 91 percent of the market share. Right. However, they're trying to limit uh, any growth in the charter sector because they don't really want competition. So he wants competition in terms of like who can produce meat on a large level. Right. But he doesn't want competition in terms of like who can influence the brains and the minds of young people. 
So that's where we are with this. Feel free to jump in. Interesting. Yeah, so when I think about, you know, why now? I think that it has, it, it could be two things. It could be this overwhelming lack of trust that people have in public schools' abilities to do whatever, to fill in the blank, to manage the recovery, to open up on time, to keep kids safe, to keep teachers safe. And so if we see that charter schools have been able to pivot and to open up doors and to be successful and to keep things going and to fund their own programs and to keep their own teachers, then maybe the thought is if we come after charter schools, then we can this is a way for us to restore faith. Like you don't have to go there because our public schools will work. It, with the right supports and resources, our public schools will work. But I think it, to me, it's a, it's a poor argument because it's almost like the kid who is kicking you under the desk while somebody else is poking you and all you see is the poke. And so all this energy that is spent pitting public charter versus public should all be focused on why schools haven't been working for kids for a long time. Because if schools have been working for kids, then we wouldn't even need a charter school system, right? If public yes. schools worked and were clearly funded and you could keep your teachers and retain high quality talent and open your doors safely and fund all the things you need, then you guys would, would be sitting there for no reason, right? You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't need these other options because the public school options would work. And so I just think, it's another example of if we get them fighting each other, then they won't put point their finger towards us because we know that we have invested a significant amount of money in schools for a long time, even prior to reopening. And the same gap worse, 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 now. worse than they were before. But you know yeah. why they were worse? Because y'all didn't care about kids before. Like that, that's that's why it's worse. You didn't care about kids and teachers and families before. And so then after two years, people really realized it and now they realize they didn't have to do it. It's very similar to my research, which I've shared before. When middle school enrollment on virtual learning was low, everybody said, well, they're not logging on because they don't have devices. And then we give them devices. And they still weren't logging on. And then we said, well, they got devices, but they don't have hotspots. So they gave them hotspots and they still didn't log on. When you talk to kids and say, why aren't you logging on? It had nothing to do with hotspots. It had nothing to do with technology. It had nothing to do with access. It had to do with the fact that they never felt seen, valued, or important to schools before. So if you're going to ignore me for eight months and then all of a sudden now you want to come visit my house and call me and check on me and see how I'm doing, people aren't stupid. They know what this is about. This is why families who had not been engaged prior to the school closes were not engaged afterwards. Students were not engaged. None of that happened. And so to me, if we can get everybody talking about charters versus public, then nobody can put their energy where it really needs to be, which is why have these schools been failing for hundreds of years? And not right. just failing Let's black go. and children, but Let's failing go. all kinds of children, failing their families, failing their parents and their grandparents, Selling the workforce because they're not developing enough talent to come into a pipeline to do the work, which is why yeah, you have yeah. to wait in line for a long time and why factories don't have enough money to produce the meat. Let's go, Ace. Tuck your shake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Yo, Ace be getting me hype. Yeah. I mean, hey, so what, what's your thoughts, sir? I mean, I just was surprised, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but like, I didn't get it. Like, bro, you got other problems to worry about. Big ones. Like, <laughs> what? I, I didn't get it. Like, why Why would you do that knowing the significant number of charter schools that do good work, knowing that the argument is complicated? Like, why would you make it more difficult to provide choice to parents for the types of schools that they might want? Like, I, I just was surprised, regardless of where people fall on the debate, I, I just, I mean, gas is like $20 a gallon or something crazy in DC. Yeah. Like, it I don't- also, It also reminded me of how, similar to Trump doing his administration, you can create whatever narrative you That's want. Right. And he could get all of this information that tells one particular story about charter schools 
and use that and then make his statements and his places, his cases and his claims. Um, but you know, that that's not what we want. You should want to have understand both sides of it, understand the nuance, understand what this statement means and who this is going to impact the most. And so I think, I mean, anytime you talk about less choice and less options for anybody, especially those who are already struggling to be successful in this system, which you are requiring them to attend, right? Like you're not saying you don't have to go to school and if you do, yeah. you should go to a public one. You're saying you must go to the That's school right. and if you can't up and leave or you can't get a voucher, this is all you have. And then you're going to punish me by limiting my options because I don't live in a zip code that provides me access to a high quality education in the state. And here's, and hey, here's the thing. People of Biden's ilk in the Democratic Party who have significant wealth and high net worth, regardless of what they do with this particular policy law, whatever they decide to do, their kids still are going to have choice because they can right. go to private schools. Yes, and so for me, I always say to folks like, Look at who's making these policies, because I guarantee they don't have they don't live in communities where the school around the corner is not very good. And so I, I just I, I just think like and again, no shade to anybody who is a Democrat and that's what they do. They primary with them and they rock with them. But this is why I've always said to folks. I'm a registered independent. Like I don't, cause I don't find that they have our best interest at heart as black folks. <clears throat> and it frustrates me and bothers me because, you know, the same people that this policy will negatively impact a significant number of them are the exact reason why Joe Biden is in the white house. The exact reason. Bro, listen. If you, think, if you think if you think these black these black mamas from uh from Correct. black and black and brown mamas from these charter school movements or whatever, because when you think about uh who charter schools service, right? The majority of the students that are in charter schools nationwide are black and brown. And so, in thinking that their parents are the ones that put Biden's ass in the White House, right? Correct. Um, I mean, you know, when, when you already know the devil and you don't want the devil that you know you know, then you vote for Biden and that's what happened. Right. And so now, you know, I, I, I go through, I play all these things in my mind right now in terms of like, I don't like Biden as president of the United States. I liked him over Trump. That was the best choice for us then. But like, I don't necessarily know if that's the best choice for us uh, two years, two and a half years from now when he runs again. Like, I just, I don't see the progress Yeah. that, that I would have wanted to see in order in order for me to say, you know what, I'm going to vote for Biden again. I probably won't vote for another Republican, but I think that he needs to he needs to reevaluate how he's approaching to how he's approaching the job. And maybe he needs to say, you know what, I'm not the best person for this job. And it takes a real reflective person in order to yeah. make that type of decision. But that's that's where I'm at. Like you came in, you saved America, you saved the democracy. By not allowing Trump to, uh, to 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 win another election, um, but uh, maybe it's time for him to step aside. Yeah, and it it gets back to good counsel, right? Somebody's gotta just we gotta have when you're a leader, you do not put yourself in places where people just say, "Yeah, sure," to whatever right. you say. If you say something that's crazy that's not going to benefit kids, students, and families, somebody on that leadership team is like, "Hey, wait, listen." They're not leaving and having a conversation after the conversation. And there are some there are some missteps specifically around education when you can't say in one breath, we invested all this money in schools. Oh, and there's a significant learning loss. Oh, and charters won't get the funding and support that they need. Because what are you really saying? <laughs> we're, we're, you, there's something else. There's a story. There, there's a song. There's a message you're really trying to say. And we have to stop thinking about how it puts us against each other and start putting our energy in the right places, which is basically how a lot of these community and charter, charter schools even started, because they felt like the public schools aren't giving me what we need, great. We're going to go find some place that does. We're going to go create our own pipelines, our own spaces, our own buildings, our own curriculum, our own teacher pipelines, and, and make sure we're taking care of the things that you haven't. And so, yeah, we got to do better. Hey, so H, it's funny that you should mention that, right? Because tomorrow there's gonna be there's gonna be a protest like we've never seen before in terms of like you know black mamas in D.C. They are in D.C. right now, and so I'm gonna be in D.C. tomorrow. Um, are you? 
I will. I will be in DC tomorrow. Um, um, and so yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's definitely gonna be starting out at the DOE, and then it'll end up at the White House. So definitely gonna be some some protesting tomorrow. For y'all, be safe. Yeah, I'm always be safe. I mean, I'm not um, you, but just everybody. Be safe. Yeah, I'm bringing my bullet. I'm bringing my bulletproof vest because I know how DC could get. DC is a very safe, wonderful place for the for God. the black for the for the blacks. <laughs> the people that are left. <laughs> All right. Um. So next week we won't be uh, on air. I'll be in Colorado at uh Pahara. In Colorado. Pahara Institute. Next Ooh, week is my, is my week. What's this? What's this? Pahara. Oh, my fellowship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. That's one of the Ed Reform things, H. I don't I think that that's Ed Reform me at all. I don't think it's Ed Reform. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't. For, first don't of all, right? First, first of all, right? I saw. So, so, so. Listen, listen, listen. So, uh, the the public school, uh, the public school fellowship, right? Broad, uh, Yale. I saw the list of folks that were uh that 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 are on that list this year, right? And shout out a couple of people that I know that are on that list. Uh, drinking the Kool Aid. Um, Tahita Baker Jones is on that list. Um, who else is on that list? Um, there's a couple I'm more. Folks list. I think I have a friend who's on the list. Who's your friend? I don't want to say it. Why I, you don't want to say it? Well, I don't want to say it if he's not on the list. I hope he. I think he's on the list. Where can I find the list? The list is on LinkedIn. It's uh if you Google it real quick and you're like uh Yale Broad, it'll probably come up. Oh, um, I hope but I tell you what though, right? Like in this space, is it the best thing to be adjacent to Broad right now? <laughs> if they let Doc. you in there, they already know what you're giving, so yeah. <laughs> Doc, what <laughs> Is that is that fair? Is that fair and well for people? Hey, hey, four or five years ago, hey, listen, bro was on top of the world, but uh, I mean, it was on top of some worlds. <laughs> it was it was suspect at best. Really? All right. Well, I'm leaving it alone. Look up the list. Uh, shout out the folks that are on the list, and uh, you know, I ho- hopefully they'll do some good work. Uh, but I, okay. I know about three or four people that are on the list. That's great. Natasha Trivers, uh, CEO of, uh, of of Democracy Prep. Shout out Natasha, she's the folks. I, 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 I'm I for her. Uh, but there's a couple more people that are on that list as well, and, and so I know they're huh. doing really good work in education. Uh, hopefully, their work is not tainted by their association with uh, the fellowship. All right, so you guys have been listening to three times. Shady. <laughs> we'll check you out in a couple weeks. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Did he go off that quick? Is it over? Where'd he go? I don't know. My bad. I wasn't trying to leave that early. My fault. Did I end the podcast? No.